So just to mention um, that we will begin the group interviews this afternoon. Um, so we'll put up the uh, groups and the times um, just before lunch. So if you look at during the lunch time to check uh, when you're meeting and where. Uh, and we'll see most of you today, not everyone, but most of you today and uh, the rest tomorrow. So I'd like to continue to unfold the instructions uh, or meditation suggestions uh, today. We're very much continuing with that same uh, thread of uh, bringing awareness more deeply, more fully into the body yeah. and using that kind of uh, spacious uh, sense of the body, a wide awareness in the body. And uh, we're also continuing to, if possible, um, work with the breath and invite the breath to be longer, more nourishing, yeah, tuning into the um, kind of comfortable, pleasant aspects of the breathing. Yeah. That's still the primary um, kind of guideline or suggestion for the practice. Um, and if you're working with sound rather than the breath, then we're tuning in to the comfortable, pleasant aspect of the hearing, yeah, of the receiving of sound. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this uh, sometimes can feel, uh, for some of us, different to uh, what we're used to doing in meditation practice. Well, often we're encouraged to more look at... Um, kind of the neutral aspects of our experience. Yeah? And here we're kind of just tuning in to the pleasant, to the comfortable, um, to any well-being that arises with the breathing or the sound. Um, and one thing that we might notice is that our habit, the habit of the mind, is actually to notice more what is unpleasant or what's not okay. Yeah, rather than what is. It's a very strong tendency of the mind. Yeah. Very strong habit. It's even got a name in modern psychology. It's called the negativity bias. Yeah. We tend to notice more what's not going okay. Our mind just gravitate, gets pulled more yeah, to what is less pleasant yeah, in our experience. Um, and not only get, do we get pulled to that more, we also uh, give it more weight. Yeah? Often it feels that, uh, or we think, we can catch ourselves thinking, that's more real. Yeah? The problems are more real yeah? than the non-problems, yeah? than what's not a problem. So it's just, I just want to put in that out there. You know? So sometimes when we um, practice in the way we're suggesting here, yeah, kind of, ah, even inviting the breath to be comfortable, inviting the breath to be pleasant, part of what will arise is this kind of a habit of, no, that's not okay. <laughs> well, that's not real, that's not as important. Yeah. Both as a, as a kind of idea that's underlying what's happening, and then also just as the habit of the mind that will keep going uh, to what's not okay, to what's not comfortable, to what's uh, maybe unpleasant. And so it can be interesting to see the practice both as kind of a, a retraining of the mind, yeah, if you like, where um, kind of redressing that imbalance of noticing the unpleasant more by intentionally noticing the pleasant, yeah, or intentionally kind of having that uh, motivation to look for the pleasant aspect. Yeah, the comfortable aspect of the breathing, of the sound, of the experience. So we're kind of, kind of, uh, yeah, retraining our mind in that way to be more balanced. Um, it can also um, be interesting just to see that sometimes it's difficult for us to stay with the pleasant. This is a whole area, <laughs> and it's not what we would think about ourselves, right? Yeah. 
Because on the one hand, as human beings, we're quite, you know, we're pleasure seekers in a way. But it's, it's with that tanha, yeah, it's with that movement that's constantly looking for something else. And less the capacity to actually stay with, open to, be nourished by. Yeah. That's kind of part of what we're doing, is we're getting to know this territory. Right? As I said from the first evening, so much of what we're doing is getting to know yeah, how we operate, how we function, yeah, how this mind, what are its tendencies, and what are the possibilities that open up uh, for us. So that's what I just said. <laughs> that's our primary um, practice. Yeah, we sit or we'll stand. Yeah. Yeah. And we bring our attention, we kind of encourage ourselves to breathe in a way that feels more nourishing, that feels more comfortable, that feels more pleasant. Or we encourage the hearing, yeah? Yeah, tuning within the hearing to the more pleasant, the more comfortable. That's our primary um, kind of practice. And yet, as we've already noticed, and as I spoke of last night, <laughs> some of the time the unpleasant will arise. Yeah. And even though we know, oh, that's the habit of the mind, it notices the unpleasant. Yeah, we know that now because I've just said it, and hopefully you believe me. <laughs> and you know from your own experience that that's the case. Yeah. It can be helpful to also have some tools, yeah, have some understanding of how do we work yeah, with that when it arises. Yeah what we would call the habitually less pleasant aspects of our experience, which includes um, the hindrances that I spoke of last night, yeah? these uh, tendencies of the human body-heart-mind, yeah. these common forms of dukkha, yeah. also includes discomfort in the body. So, um, so I want to just give a little bit of uh, kind of a more particular tools of how to work with this when it arises. Yeah. How do we work with the hindrances, the obstacles, yeah. or the opportunities? <laughs> yeah, we can call them. Yeah. And then, how do we work with physical discomfort when that arises? What's a helpful response? What's a skillful response? Because our practice is about engagement. Does this make sense so far? Yeah? Okay. So, with, we'll start with the hindrances, and I'll, I'll just repeat them yeah, to remind us what they are. <laughs> and as we saw last night, they're all familiar to us. Uh, but here's the, here's the list. Yeah? So we have the movement of desire, yeah? the heart, body, mind, getting pulled towards something, yeah, wanting something. We have the aversion, yeah, the pushing away of something, the resistance towards something. We have the two uh, kind of imbalanced states, the imbalances between calm and energy. When there's too much energy in the system and we have restlessness, yeah. and the Buddha called this restlessness and worry. Yeah. So there's the restlessness which we can feel in the body and then the restlessness in the mind yeah, is the worry, the agitation in the mind. Yeah. And the other end of that spectrum, uh, too little energy, yeah, too much calm. Yeah. The kind of sleepiness, one of um, my friends calls this saying yes to life. It's wonderful, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> when you get this in the meditation and your head keeps nodding and it's, it's quite a form of dukkha, isn't it? I don't know if you've had it yet on this retreat. Um, and, and just by that, and you notice the laughter that came up? You know, what happens when we reframe? And instead of this big problem, unpleasant, we just say, oh yeah, I'm just saying yes to life. <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So that's the other end. And the fifth uh, hindrance, which I didn't speak of much, um, last night is doubt, yeah, confusion, uh, lack of clarity, yeah, and that can manifest as self-doubt a lot of the time, doubting ourselves and our practice, 
uh, it can also manifest as doubt uh, in the teachings and in the practices and even you know believe it or not in the teachers yeah who would who would think you know that we could have doubt in the teachers even that sometimes we kind of joke it's like could have pulled anyone off the street and put them up here <laughs> yeah and then you know oh teachers yeah trust what they say yeah. so funny yeah. so we can even so that can be the, the the doubt in our own capacity our own ability yeah and then the doubt in the practices in the teachings and the doubt in the teachers yeah. just, oh this isn't for me yeah. And this does it, you know. And so this is the fifth one. So with all of them, you know, the the kind of process is has got a lot of similarity. And sometimes we don't even need to be very clear which one of the hindrances it is. Yeah. Also because often they come in packs. Like I said, they come in groups. Yeah, they don't just come alone. Yeah, just one of them. Um so just the recognition. Ah, there's a hindrance here. Yeah. Or, um, you know, if it's clear specifically, there's restlessness here or there's tiredness here. The recognition and then that moment of allowing. Um, I'm repeating this from last night because it's uh, really helpful to, to remember. And uh, we're not afraid of repetition here. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of the way we remember yeah, again and again by repeating. Yeah. So the recognition, the allowing. Ah, this is here. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. You know, hello aversion. <laughs> My old friend. <laughs> yeah. I think we've met before. Yeah. Just that allowing, giving the space. Yeah. With the recognition, the allowing. And then we bring in the we're already doing it and then we heighten the interest. Yeah, which comes almost as an investigation, yeah, a getting to know. I actually want to get to know you. I want to understand this. Yeah. And hopefully we can see how as we're doing this process, we're changing the dynamic. Yeah, we spoke about the way of relating being really important, how we relate to something. So we're shifting the dynamic as we recognize, we allow and then we bring the interest and the investigation. We're shifting the dynamic from a dynamic of rejection, yeah, of struggle, yeah, of kind of using the traditional language, seeing something as a hindrance. I need to get rid of this so that my practice can move forward. We start to see it as an opportunity, yeah, as a gateway. Yeah. It's shifting in the dynamic. And as the way of relating sh- shifts and changes, yeah, the experience that also changes. One really important aspect there is the lessening of identification. Space opens up, it's not so much about me and who I am and what I am and how good or bad I am, which kind of gets caught up in that process when we get into a struggle um, with our experience. So we kind of bring interest and attentiveness. Yeah, we attend to that, yeah, which is arising. So it's really not a, uh, it's, there's a very open hand here in the relationship, but it's not passive. Yeah. We're bringing our attention, we're attending to, yeah. so that we can work skillfully with our experience, with what's arising. And with all the hindrances, so this process, yeah, I'm going to repeat it once more, yeah, the recognition, the allowance, yeah, the investigation, yeah, and the responsiveness, the attending to, yeah. and lessens the identification. Um, the reframing yeah, of, of what's going on from something that's getting into my, in, in my way to an opportunity, yeah, that reframing. This is common to all of them. Um, with all of them, a skillful way of responding is to increase the amount of space. Yeah? So with that unpleasantness yeah, of the hindrance, yeah, and even if it's a pleasant hindrance like a fantasy, 
or uh, you know, thinking about lunch. I think it's safe to mention that now. It's early enough in the morning that I can mention lunch without triggering too much desire. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. So we can see that with that um, that habit of the unpleasantness comes a shrinking of attention. Yeah, a collapsing down of the space. Yeah, all our awareness. Yeah, kind of concentrates around yeah, the tiredness, around the restlessness, around the aversion, yeah, around the desire, around the doubt. And so what can be helpful to see is how do we bring more spaciousness? Yeah? How do we open uh, this space? Um, the body, really helpful with all of our practice in general. Yeah, you may remember that we mentioned it yesterday. Whatever our object, our anchor, yeah, whether it's breath or sound, or you may be using something else. Grounding in the body, having a sense of awareness in the body, really helpful. Because yeah? what happens, and you can notice right now, what happens when we bring the awareness, the attention, more fully into the body? Do you notice what happens? Does the space grow? Yeah. a little bit yeah. often what we tend to do and, and you're probably doing it now as you're listening is we're here yeah, in the, in the head which is where we associate our mind <laughs> with yeah, this area we bring it into the body we're both grounding yeah. the whole body and then we're also opening the space and we're kind of playing with that we're learning to play with that so with all of them aligning in the body opening the space, bringing interest and kindness to the, to the fore. Yeah. That's what we're doing with any hindrance. And then I just want to give a few little suggestions uh, of a particular hindrances, particular ways of working with them. Yeah. So if we're noticing desire, yeah. I said it last night, the other side of desire is aversion. So sometimes with desire and aversion, it can just be interesting to open up the space by flipping it around and asking, ah, there's desire for something. What is there aversion to? Yeah? Just unhooks us a little bit from how caught up we are with that. Yeah? So desire for the meditation to end, what's the aversion? Yeah. We might uh, look at it that way. Uh, something else that can be really helpful is to open to something that's actually okay right now. Yeah? Any sense of appreciation, gratitude, contentment yeah? in the moment yeah? be really helpful. And if we're working with uh, the pleasant, we can start to see how this is helpful. right? Because if we're breathing in a way that feels nourishing, feels pleasurable yeah? to some degree, then we open to that breath. Yeah. And we breathe in a way where we can tune in yeah, to something that actually feels quite nice right here in the moment. Yeah. So that's one way of working um, with desire. And if you're working with sound, yeah, then you're kind of opening to the easefulness of the hearing or the ple pleasantness of the hearing. When there's aversion, again, we can flip it and ask, you know, what's the desire? <laughs> yeah? Aversion's quite strong for many of us. Yeah? I don't like this. I don't want this. Ah, so what, what's, the, what's the desire? What's the flip side? And when we do that, we're just unhooking. And we can also bring in a sense of kindness or compassion. Very good antidotes to aversion. Yeah? Just bring to mind kindness. It may be, you know, the kindness of the... Um, of the managers here, you know, some very clear things, yeah? Ah, we're being looked after. Yeah. And maybe a sense of kindness towards our experience. Yeah. So just bring in a sense of kindness into, or compassion, into the mix. Uh, it can also really help. Aversion comes with a lot of contraction. We can usually feel it very clearly. So softening and opening yeah, through the body, really helpful. When there's restlessness, yeah. So, uh, the breath, yeah. When there's restlessness, we breathe and we particularly tune in 
to the relaxing, grounding aspect of the breath. So the breath both energizes and it relaxes us. So we tune into that relaxing uh, aspect of the breath. Uh, Also really emphasizing the spaciousness, which as I said, we do with all the hindrances. It's very helpful with with the restlessness. We increase the space. If you're working with sound, you might want to open out to further sounds. That increases the space of what we're paying attention to. Uh, grounding, really helpful. Grounding in the body, contact areas. Yeah. Helps us feel like there's more than just that movement of agitation in, that we're feeling in the mind. When there's tiredness, yeah. either the sleepiness of actually falling asleep, that's saying yes to life, or dullness in the mind. Yeah. So seeing how we can energize. Yeah. So with the breathing, opening to the energizing aspect of the breath, so sometimes more of a sense of the in-breath and the energy that's coming in, or an upward movement yeah, of the breathing, as yeah, so if it's coming in from below and moving up, uh, can really help us. Working with the posture of the body. So it might be even in the sitting you're slumping and you want to realign the uprightness. Uh, you might move to a standing position. Yeah, we touched on this already, but just reminding it. Us, yeah, when we stand, energy naturally comes into the body. And with doubt, if doubt is arising, and it often will come in with the other hindrances, um, interest. That's the biggest uh, antidote. Yeah? Interest and some form of engagement. You know, just saying, okay, <laughs> like calming down that doubtful voice. Yeah, often associate doubt with like being a teenager. Yeah. It's a teenagery kind of voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So aside, our nieces and nephews are now uh, aged between 15 and um, 23. So it's a great age range to kind of have a lot of sense of a lot of really healthy doubt. Yeah. The questioning, yeah, it's really beautiful. Questioning about life. Yeah, about the way things happen and are done. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes there's also the kind of debilitating aspect, yeah? especially with a lot of choices that they need to make. And we know that in ourselves. I do this or do I do that? Yeah. That all feels so kind of, you know, so important <laughs> right now, you know. So... With the doubt, yeah, having a sense of interest in it, slowing things down, really helpful. And doing something, saying, I'm just going to try out. What happens when I do this? Yeah, what happens when I make more space? What happens when I bring more interest? What happens when I throw in more kindness? Interested uh, to see that. If it's something really persistent, that kind of keeps at you sometimes about a particular thing. I need to decide this now. <laughs> do I do this or do I do that? You know, um, and often it will tend to be about something not to do with the retreat, but something in our lives that will come up around that. Then just saying, okay, I'm going to make a meeting with you. Let's have it, make a date yeah, for after the retreat. Yeah? And then we'll sit down and talk. Yeah? Me and you. Me and doubt. So that's uh, a little bit about the hindrances and uh, like with everything up till now we've put up some sheets about the hindrances with some of this, not all of this, uh, so you can refer to that um, on the notice board. And I just want to say a little bit about working with discomfort in the body. So as we practice, discomfort can arise in the body, can be something relatively mild, Uh, it can be more serious. So it can be more intense, might be something chronic, might be something that you know uh, from before. Um, and often with discomfort in the body, what comes up in response to that is aversion, right? The pushing away. And in our practice, we're interested to see this is the habitual way of relating. One, we want to see, is it actually useful? <laughs> what happens when I reject discomfort? When I push it away, when I clinch around it. There's a lot of learning that we can have there. And what are the other possibilities? Can I cultivate? Can I develop 
Yeah. Other ways of relating to discomfort in the body, yeah. which can then uh, be accessible for us in dealing with challenges yeah, in our lives across areas, not just the physical. So often what happens when there is pain or discomfort in the body, what we're actually experiencing is that second arrow of the pain. It's not actually <laughs> the sensation itself, it's the aversion, the tension that arises around that, yeah, the resistance. Does that make sense to people? And I'll just say, this is actually nowadays, they've shown that in, in medical research, that with some, at least with some types of chronic pain, what people are actually experiencing in the pain is the resistance, both the body clenches around areas of pain, it's a habit of the body, and the mind clenching around it, as if we want to keep it yeah, from spreading. So, yeah, it goes like that. And 70% of pain, in some cases, chronic pain, is that clenching, yeah, rather than the original um, painfulness. So, you know, the experience of pain is partly, yeah, physical pain, physical discomfort, partly shaped or impacted by the way of relating. And that's what we want to be working with, yeah, how we relate to that. So again, the first step here is the recognition and the uh, acknowledgement. Yeah? Sometimes, you know, we'll find ourselves moving yeah, before we've noticed that there's discomfort. Yeah? The reaction yeah, comes so quickly. And so the first step, we want to notice, ah, there's discomfort here. Yeah? It might be something really mild, yeah? a tickle, an itch. It's discomfort and I'm resisting that discomfort. I'm aversive to that. I'm trying to get rid of it. I'm being reactive to it, which is a natural response, but not always helpful. Yeah. And so I'm going to offer a few ways of working with this, and I'll say in the beginning, don't try all of them. <laughs> There's quite a lot. So again, they're on the notice board. If you encounter physical discomfort or pain, just use uh, two, one, two, maximum three. Uh, and see what works for you. Yeah. So the first step, recognition, and then you can just explore what happens if instead of the habitual re rejection, I allow. Yeah. And it might be helpful to just say, I'm just going to breathe with it for three breaths. Just letting it be here. And I'm breathing with it. Just three breaths. Does that have an impact on my experience? That's one way. Another way is to use the breath, if that's um, something you're using in your meditation, to use your breath to relax the tension either in the area that feels uncomfortable or around it. Yeah? So sometimes it feels too much to bring the breath to a painful area itself, but we can bring the breath around that area of discomfort. Yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah, to kind of areas around um, the discomfort. So we can bring uh, the breath to that area so as if it's kind of soothing it, stroking it, encouraging it to relax. We can also imagine the breathing coming in and out of that area. Yeah. Also do that. What happens when we imagine the breath coming in and out of the area that feels um, uncomfortable? Okay, so I've said three so far. Allowing, just breathing with it yeah, for a few minutes, seeing what happens if we let go of the resistance. Using the breath or just the intention to relax the area of pain or discomfort, the contraction, or around it. Yeah. And the third, imagining the breathing coming in and out of that area. Yeah. Or if you're using sound, this for some of us might be more tricky, for some of us it might be helpful. We can imagine the sound being known in that area. That's actually where the awareness is. The fourth should be familiar by now. We open out the awareness. Yeah? We open the space of awareness and we drop in the question of what else is present. 
Because yeah? remember the negativity bias? What's actually happening is the attention and the awareness shrink around the discomfort. And then what we experience is there's only this. Yeah? There's just this pain in the knee. Yeah? Or there's just this tickle in the face. And just look for yourself. You'll see that this is happening. But actually, there's other things going on, right? So we open up the awareness. We might be to the whole body. It might be that we just look and say, ah, is there somewhere in the body right now that is not uncomfortable, that actually feels okay? Yeah. How about uh, the little finger? Yeah. Or the hand? Yeah. Or the elbow? Yeah. Or the cheek? Yeah. We just find somewhere else. And we bring the attention now. What that does opens up yeah, the space of awareness so there's less intensity of pain and discomfort. And we're holding this whole process with kindness and compassion. Yeah. And sometimes we might bring that kindness and compassion, if it's accessible to us, to that place, yeah, to that actual discomfort. And we notice what happens when we hold this with compassion and kindness. Yeah. What happens to the experience? Okay, so a lot of possibilities there. <laughs> yeah? A lot of possibilities. And the main thing to remember, in the way we're relating, there's a possibility. Yeah? To take the problematic out of the experience. Yeah. The sense of problem. Sometimes, it may be that uh, where you're experiencing pain is an area of injury. Yeah. That is actually, you know, we actually need to listen. <laughs> You've had injury in the body yeah. in that area, or this is a chronic pain, you know, something ongoing. Yeah. Or none of these things work, and you're just getting into more and more resistance yeah. and more and more struggle with the experience. If that's the case, then the appropriate response is to move okay so you know say this pain in the knee you know there's a past history of injury that's not a good example because if you've got a past <laughs> history of injury and you're sitting in a cross-legged position you shouldn't be <laughs> yeah just to say that but anyway we'll keep with the example for now um, there's there's pain in the knee and there's past injury we gently move yeah we shift the posture so that there isn't the stress yeah, on that part of the body. Yeah, so we might be doing that. And we include the moving in our practice. Yeah? So we have interest, we have kindness, we have awareness yeah, in that. We release that um, tension physically. Mindfully and attentive, attentively. And if it's not a case of injury, um, a game I like to play is to notice how much of a movement is needed in order to bring change. Sometimes it's so little that somebody w looking at you wouldn't even see that you're moving. Yeah? Might be just so, so um, subtle. Yeah? And sometimes it might be more. Yeah, so I'll just say at the end again what I've said from the beginning, but this is the most important thing. All these ways of attending to hindrances and to physical discomfort yeah, are a shift in the way of relating. Yeah. So it's really important to remember because what will creep in there is we'll kind of start deal-making. <laughs> so, okay, I'll pay attention to you in this way so that you go away, so that you disappear, so that you leave. That's a hidden form, a subtle form of aversion, yeah, of resistance. Yeah, and it'll creep in there, that's fine. Just be aware <laughs> that it might. It's not about getting rid of, it's about changing the way of relating yeah, to understand our experience better and to see how it changes yeah, when we do that. So, yeah, let's take some time to practice uh, together now. And if you need to have about 20 minutes...
for sitting, so if you need to just change posture or just stretch out any part of the body and then settle in again, then please do do that. Bringing the awareness into the body. Taking a few moments to settle and ground the awareness in the body. be helpful to check in with the balance of uprightness and ease in the posture find it helpful to use the sensations of contact between body and seat, body and ground, to gather and collect and ground the awareness in the body. And gently opening the awareness through the body. Inviting it to expand, to fill the space of the body. Perhaps a little larger than the body if that's helpful. Tuning in to this wide awareness through the whole body. And within this wide open awareness, whole body. Opening to the flow and movement of the breath. Inviting the breath to be longer, more comfortable. More nourishing.
And this is our primary practice. If the breath is not accessible or not appropriate for you, then you can use sounds, just opening to the flow and movement of sound, of hearing. And tuning in to the pleasantness of the hearing, the nourishment of the simplicity receiving the sound in awareness. Again and again, opening to the breathing or the sound, whatever way tunes you to the pleasantness, the comfort, the well-being. Inviting the breath to be more comfortable. without putting a lot of pressure on it. It's a very light touch of attention. over and over, wide awareness through the body, opening and softening through the body. Nourishment, comfort, pleasantness of the breathing or the hearing. not looking for hindrances or for unpleasantness. They will arise in their time. Just knowing when they arise, remembering the grounding in the body, the spaciousness. The recognition of what's unfolding. and the attentiveness, the response. Keep softening and opening the space of awareness through the whole body. Keep attending, attuning to the pleasant, comfortable, nourishing aspects of the breathing or the hearing.
Gently opening to notice what's unfolding in experience right now. Interest with kindness. Acknowledging, recognizing. If there's presence or hindrance. Taking time to allow. And then to engage. Is it helpful to bring more space into the experience? Open awareness through the whole body again and again. Can I attend with the breathing? Feeling into the pleasantness of the breath, the comfortableness of the breath, the nourishment. perhaps energizing or calming with the breathing. Soothing. Softening and opening the space of awareness through the whole body. Attending to what needs our attention. And coming back over and over to the pleasant, comfortable, nourishing aspects of the breathing or the hearing.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.